once I'm not at work, basketball shorts all the way, man. I'm not getting dressed for anything. I'll probably show up at your funeral in basketball shorts. Hey guys, welcome back to yet another episode of Wayward Stories, the podcast where we tell your stories of self-discovery and outdoor adventures. I am so happy to have you guys back for episode four. Any of you who have come back and stayed with us this far, I am indeed grateful for you. How are you guys this week? I'm doing, you know, fair enough. It was a long day today. Work was, um, had a long day of punting packages, and then turn around and go to my daughter's first soccer practice, which was absolutely entertaining. That's like herding chicken, Jill. Somehow I got drug into that mix, though I've never played a day of soccer in my life. Played a lot of other sports growing up, never played soccer. Have no clue what's going on out there. But since I was a grown-up, apparently I became at least an acting coach for a day. Um, I think that we did okay. I think we survived, but, um, holy cow, you've never seen anything until you've seen, I mean, and I'm talking not over exaggerating. I'm going to try to, to undershoot it a little bit to not, um, over exaggerate. There was at least 35 to 40 kids out there and everyone had their own soccer ball on one tiny practice field. And it was absolute and utter chaos. And it was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, it was hilarious. So it's been a long day. I'm really tired. Going to try to keep it together and stay on track for at least one entire episode because we really got to keep these things coming out. Um, tonight, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about some fun stuff. We're going to talk about some of the uh, more exciting things I did that had a more positive impact on my story because there was there's a big arc, you know, things were pretty rough for a while. But we were on an upward trajectory, and we are still to this day, but we're on an upward trajectory, and on that trip in particular, it really was a very meaningful trip for me indeed. I mean, two and a half months. It was two trips, but ultimately it's one major time frame in my life, and um, a lot of positive things happened out there as well, and we're going to start talking about some of the positive things tonight and some of the, uh, well, at least one of the more impressive adventures that I got to partake in. So what exactly am I talking about? I am talking about Yosemite National Park, one of the crowning jewels in the American National Park system. Um, when you're in California, when you're in San Francisco, you are no more than three hour drive across the valley to enter into Yosemite Valley, into Yosemite National Park. And it's so impressive that I went once because it was so close. And how do you not go? I mean, it's so famous. You know about it. Growing up in America, you've always heard of you've heard of Yellowstone. You've heard of Yosemite. You've heard of the Grand Canyon. You know, all the, the all the hits, all the biggies. But Yosemite, it's kind of got a special place in American culture. It is the first national park had the first protected lands. The the Mariposa Grove was protected by Abraham Lincoln in like, I think it was 1864, if my memory serves me, um, which became a part of Yosemite National Park. It's an incredibly, incredibly iconic, impressive place. 
Um, and I always do my research before I go anywhere. And then one of the first things you'll find when you start digging into the history of Yosemite, you're always going to come up with a name that's associated with Yosemite, and that's Ansel Adams. Ansel Adams. Try to pronounce it properly. Um, iconic American photographer. One of the greatest at his art. He was honestly, he was absolute master of his of his medium. Um, known for tack sharp photographs and his um his mastery of tonality in photos um he gosh that's a whole different episode Ansel Adams is a whole different episode but he's an incredibly inspiring guy if you look into his life um he struggled in school most likely with a misdiagnosed you know what not miss non-diagnosed learning disability it could have been dyslexia or it could have been um hyperactivity disorder. He was known to be high hyperactive, but he struggled in school. Wasn't his thing. Got pulled early um, and went into being like privately schooled, I believe by members of his family, I believe. Um, but he found that there were creative outlets that were well suited to his, um, his particular talents. And um, he was one of the best at it that ever did it. Um, and he, he's so inspiring because he was a pioneer. He was one of the early, early advocates for environmental protection. He was one of the early advocates for protecting places like Yosemite. Like even back then, like there's nothing new under the sun. Times don't change that much. People were trying to log out Yosemite and the giant redwoods back then. They were trying to exploit, um, um, mineral deposits and ores and mining operations. People have always been trying to destroy all the beautiful things we have on this planet in order to make money. And he was a very early advocate, a pioneer in, um, in, um, environmental protection. And he accomplished a lot of good as far as that goes as well. He played a pivotal role in getting Kings Canyon designated as a national park and protected, um, very, very inspiring guy. And his life is just intertwined with Yosemite, his entire life, his children's lives. Um, it's fascinating. Ansel Adams is a fascinating guy. Um, Yosemite is famous in a lot of ways, very progressive in a lot of ways, a lot of first in Yosemite. It was the first national park, first nationally protected lands, had the nation's first female national park ranger. Don't have a date on that, but it's old school. I'd have to look to be sure, and we're just not going to slow down to do that. But I'm talking old school, like black and white photos way back when on a horse. Um, it's an it's an incredible place. It's an incredible place. Um, if you've never been to Yosemite, there aren't really good words to describe what you see. When you come in from El Portal and you enter the valley, you, you come in through a beautiful valley before you ever even hit the pay gate and pay your $40 to get into the actual national park. You have a pretty long drive. It's been two years. I can't remember, but I feel like it seemed like it was 30 or 40 minutes. Just up this beautiful winding river, you're coming up alongside the river on the highway and it's already gorgeous. You're already kind of like, oh Lord, what am I getting into? And then you get into Yosemite and you get up to Tunnel View 
which is one of the, I guess it's the new inspiration point. There was an older one that was up above the tunnel on the wagon road that originally came into Yosemite. But when you get to what they call tunnel view, and you park your car and you get out and you turn around and you look, and before you spreads out the sprawling Yosemite Valley, you can't help but just stand in awe. To your left is El Cap. To your right is Half Dome. To your right and just short of Half Dome, you can see Bridalville Falls. It's, it is a classic, iconic, famous view of Yosemite Valley. One that Ansel Adams, as a matter of fact, made famous. Um, you get to sit there and take pictures in the same location that he took some of his most iconic photos. Matter of fact, I have one that's like a special treasure to me because I didn't realize this at the time, but one of his most famous photographs. Oh God, what's the actual title of it? I don't want to butcher that, but one of his most famous photographs is the clearing after a winter storm, after a snowstorm in Yosemite Valley, and the storm was starting to clear out. I have a picture that I took myself, not nearly as well, but of essentially the same thing. Mine was a snowstorm starting to enter the valley, but they're almost identical pictures. You can see the snow coming in, going out. Um, is absolutely fascinating, but you see that view. You can't help but stand in awe. And I pulled up a quote here. I've set it aside and I pulled up a quote I'm going to read to you because I think that it says in more succinct and accurate words what it's like to see Yosemite Valley for the first time than I could ever put into words, far more articulate than I am. And this was by a man named Galen Clark, says, Guardian of the Yosemite Grant. Um, the picture of him looks very much 1800s-esque, early 1900s-esque. So I'm going to assume he was probably the guardian of the original Yosemite Grant. And his quote is, I have seen persons of emotional temperament stand with tearful eyes, spellbound and dumb with awe, as they got their first view of the valley from Inspiration Point, overwhelmed in the sudden presence of the unspeakable stupendous grandeur. Yeah, I think that says it best, guys. It will absolutely stricken you dumb, make you unable to speak, and just kind of look around at other people to see if they are just as shocked as you are. That's one of the first things you see when you hit tunnel view and you get out of your car and you walk up to the, to the view. You look around. Everyone's looking around at each other as if to say, do you see this? Do you understand what you are looking at? It's a very inspiring place to be. It will really get you into an inspirational place because everywhere you look is natural beauty. Everywhere you look is artistic people. Everywhere you look on the beach is photographers and painters with their easels out and their watercolors. Everywhere you look, people are being inspired and that in and of itself is inspiring. So... I take my first trip to Yosemite and I go up immediately to Tunnel View because it's, I mean, you roll into Yosemite, right? You hit the gate, you go on in, and you're there. I mean, Yosemite's huge. It's like nearly 1,200 square miles of awesomeness. But all the iconic stuff, 
the major iconic stuff. There are a few others, but I mean, we're talking the top five are right there in Yosemite Valley. You go in and right out of the box, it's all there before you. Like I said, El Cap, Half Dome, Upper and Lower Falls, Bridalville Falls, the Tunnel View. I mean, you can spend an actually a relatively short amount of time in Yosemite and see most of the amazing things up close and personal. Um, I remember hiking up to Bridalville Falls. It's, it's kind of funny because I left I left San Francisco and it was eighty degrees. I was in basketball shorts. I get into Yosemite and I get out of Bar- Bridalville Falls and I'm about to go hike up. I step out of the car and holy crap. It's no longer 80 degrees. It was more to the tune of like 38, 39 degrees. And so, you know, I'm not fully prepared for this. But I mean, being completely honest, that's what I do at home too. Once I'm not at work, basketball shorts all the way, man. I'm not getting dressed for anything. I'll probably show up at your funeral in basketball shorts. Eh, Maybe not. But it was cold. So I'm going up to Bridalville Falls and it's roaring. Okay, there's literally ice on the sides of the bluff face down around where the fall is actually impacting. It's just frozen up the side of the cliff all the way around it. There's mist everywhere. There's always, when you go down at the bottom of Bridalville or any of those major waterfalls, there's always just this spray, a constant spray. Down there in basketball shorts and a t-shirt, there are people standing around staring at me. Like, what's wrong with you? I remember somebody actually said something to me, and that's exactly what I told them. I said, when I left San Francisco three hours ago, it was 80 degrees. Like, I didn't know. And it didn't really bother me anyway, because you're too awestruck to feel cold. You're really too awestruck to feel anything physical, because you're too busy feeling everything mentally and emotionally and spiritually. Like, it's a striking place to be. Um... But I went in several times over the course of that two and a half months. I think five times, if I remember my count correctly. Um, Every trip was amazing. Every trip I found something new, a new trail to hike, something to get closer to, something to see. I got to take photos of upper and lower falls. It's actually one of the photos on the business card I carry around that I hand out to people when I go out on the trails and I meet people and they're like, Hey, you got a Facebook? Here's my card and upper and lower falls picture that I took while I was there. Um, there's so many things there to see. And I mean, y'all, you've got to go to Yosemite. You've got to, it's 40 bucks to get in the gate. The trip up is awesome. I mean, you go through El Portal. I think, what is the name of that small town? Why do I feel like Mariposa rings a bell? I could be so off on that. I'd have to Google it. We're not going to stop to do that. We're going to keep rolling. But there's an awesome little town before you head on up through El Portal and come in. Um, Got an awesome shop there, an antique shop. A guy that sells a lot of fossils. Um, I bought some really cool fossils for my daughter there. I mean, roll into the park. There are a million places to set and break out your lunch and eat your lunch below the falls, below Cap below. I mean, there's so many things to do, guys. Um, You got to do it. Yosemite is a wonderful thing and you have to go do it because it's not, like I say, it's actually, for what it is, pretty convenient. All the really big, amazing things are right there, right there in the valley. 
you roll right into it. Um, and there's other stuff. You can easily get yourself into a lot of other things. You can get to go to Mirror Lake. Um, something I didn't get to do because I didn't have enough time. Driving three hours to, three hours back, a single day trip. I never got to do that. I didn't get to do a lot of major hiking. Um, something I'd love to go back and do is go up and hike up Half Dome. Um, I think there's, there's a permit. I know there's a permit you have to apply for. I think it's seven days in advance. And there's permits where you can camp overnight in the park. Um, those are things that I really want to do. I want to go back in a in a more um, vacation type scenario sometime where I have some days to spend there and really get a feel for it. Because being there is so inspiring. Being there, it's kind of like being in the presence of something so much greater than you. Helps you to find an anchor in the world and kind of recognize your place in the world. And it seems kind of odd because you feel really small compared to that. But it's, it's not that it's a positive thing. It, it, I don't know. I've always understood nature in that way. To me, I feel more comfortable outdoors. I feel more comfortable in the back country, the further I get away from society, which you now granted Yosemite's not that far from society, you know, you've got the lodge and all these things right there in the valley, but it follows along with, I've always felt more comfortable and at home in the wilderness than I ever do my actual home in the city where it's kind of a city, but, um, and I think it's because I understand nature. I understand my place in it. I understand that to get along with nature, you have to work with it. Like it will crush you, but it's not trying to, it doesn't want to, it has no intention against you. So there's a symbiotic relationship that's, that's inferred. If you understand it, you can survive within it and you know your place within it. And it's something that can be understood. This world that we live in, I don't understand this world or anything about it. I'm just like most of you guys, hardworking person, never call into work, show up every day, try to do a good job, try to be a good member of society, trying to literally just live a pretty upright life and contribute something to society. But society doesn't care, nor does business. You never get anywhere. You're always getting knocked down. I don't understand the world. Nature, I understand. Nature, I go out in it. I know how to survive within it. And it's, it's a dance. It's a symbiotic relationship. You can't overcome it. You can't beat it, but you can dance with it. And if you understand how to dance with it and respect it, you will survive within it. You will thrive within it. And that resonates with me. I am at home there. And to go into Yosemite somewhere that's so awe-inspiring, somewhere that is so deeply moving, somewhere that is so huge, so much bigger than you, there's an anchor. There's kind of a grounding, a centering that occurs. It's like, I see my place within this. And for me, there is a spirituality to it. And I'm not going to harp on that because everyone has their own. But to me, there is a very much a spirituality to it. You know, I feel like you can't get closer to whatever created us, no matter what you believe. This is a, this is a very vanilla statement to make, but accurate. That shouldn't offend anyone. No matter what you believe, all the way from complete atheist you know, big bang theory, 
all the way to the most devout creationist and anywhere in between. Whatever the force was that created Yosemite Valley, that's the closest you'll ever get to that source. When you can stand within something that amazing, that grand, that awe-inspiring, you're literally standing just about as close as you can get to whatever created it and whenever it was created. That's the way the world has been from the dawn of time. You know, that's how it's always been. It's the closest we can get to it. So no matter what you believe, you're much closer to being in touch with it there amongst it and be inspired by the intelligent or not intelligent, whatever, again, design behind it. It is just absolutely, I don't know, it's grounding. There's absolutely something grounding about it. So I'm there in Yosemite, and I go back several times. I have to. It calls you. Once you've seen it, it calls you. Once you've been there, you don't want to not be there. I went back several times, and over the course of going and researching and studying and learning about Hansel Adams, and many other people too, but but him particularly, and how inspiring his life is, and how he went his own way. He didn't really conform to the mold. He went his own way. And the first iteration of this podcast, Wayward Stories, was born from that idea. The first iteration of this podcast, for the first couple of years, before it was a podcast, when it was just a YouTube channel, when it was just a web page, when it was just a blog, was The Men Who Don't Fit In. And that was actually a poem by Robert Service. It was written in 1911, and I think it came from a collection um, that was called Tales of the Yukon. I would have to look into that. But he himself was a man that didn't fit in. And this this poem, I highly suggest you go and you read it and look it up. Because most of us outdoors types, most of us adventurers, most of us wayward souls who are out there seeking more, we very much fit the bill for what he describes in that poem. The, the first stanza is, there's a race of men who don't fit in, a race that can't sit still. So they break the hearts of kith and kin and they roam the world at will. It's about people who don't do nine to five well. Even though we go do our nine to five, it restrains us. We live within the constraints of a society um, that impresses upon us who we should be and how we should be it. And we don't really jive with that. That's not really our thing. We have to go. We have to explore. We have to create. We have to see. We have to share. We creative types, we we don't really fit in the everyday nine to five mold. And that's what that poem is all about. And Ansel Adams was one of those men who didn't fit in. He went out there and he bucked trends. He fought against. He was an advocate for conservancy. And he went against these giant companies. He fought to protect our national treasures. Um, he didn't do very well in school like we already talked about, but he found his place. And it was out there creating. It was out there capturing, creating, and sharing. He created photo work or yeah, photography workshops. Like I believe the very first ones in the format that they exist today were created by them. He spearheaded, founded, and created so many damn things that it's not even funny. And all of them were for and to the end of protecting, sharing, and furthering 
all of these national treasures that the majority of the world, though they may look at it and go, oh yeah, that's really pretty, but most people are going to look at it and go, it's really pretty, and those redwoods are worth a lot of money. How can I get that money? Um, he's an inspiring character, and he's one of those men that don't fit in. And the whole idea of this podcast originally was based on that idea, and that was what it was going to originally be named, and I worked with that for a while, and it just didn't didn't work out because I kept worrying that it sounded exclusive to men, which it was not. And I tried to go out of my way to make that clear everywhere. It's like, this is not just about men. This is for everyone, every single person, male or female, regardless of race, creed, religion, ethnicity, it doesn't matter. This is for everyone. But like, I had more than one woman tell me like, oh yeah, that, oh no, I just thought that was some guy thing you had going on. Like, and that's when I knew, I was like, okay, a name changes in order. And it, and it was due because I believe where we've landed now is where we need to be. I think this is a far better idea, a far better platform than what was previous. But what was previous was built on the idea of don't fit in, be yourself, embrace it. Don't worry about what other people say. Embrace who you are, embrace what your heart tells you, embrace your own truth and go out and live it. And Ansel Adams was one of those guys who went out and lived it. So with all those things in mind, that's a big, long explanation about something that com seems completely unrelated to what I'm talking about, but it's not. The whole point is he went out and did all those things. I was going out in my own way and starting to do those things. I have him in mind. I'm in Yosemite. I'm being inspired. And the picture started to take shape. I really started to receive that inspiration for who I am. I started to get the first inklings of the idea of this doesn't make sense to me because I'm not an artist. I'm not a great photographer. But somehow this feels right. This feels like what I'm supposed to do. This feels like what it just feels right. It feels like my place. I want to capture. I want to share. I wasn't, I was unsure at that time, like in what form and what medium, like I was positive. It can't be photography because good God, look at all the people out there that are amazing photographers. There's, there's not a career there. There's not a career there. Um, I mean, for some people, sure, but like the odds are not great. Photojournalist. Eh, odds are not great of that. The people that do it, mostly freelance, and they struggle to pay the bills. I mean, everyone's heard of the starving artist, right? Um, so I struggled with it at first, but the seeds had been planted. I was starting to realize what felt right to me. No matter what that actually ended up being in the end, what felt right to me was going and being creative and bringing it back for the rest of the world to see. And... I mean, maybe not see. Yeah, sure. I do my photography. Um, it was after I missed a golden opportunity. I wasn't ready to do the YouTube thing yet. It had been years since I'd been on this side of the camera back in film and video. I didn't have a full direction yet on where I wanted to go. I wasn't ready to do it yet. And I missed golden opportunities for my YouTube channel. All that two and a half months I spent out there. Um, I regret that, but it is what it is. And we've moved on from there. But... I didn't know what form it was going to take. I didn't know if it was going to be videos. I didn't know if it was going to be 
photography. I didn't know if it was going to be a podcast or whatever, but I knew that I wanted to share the experience. What it really kind of rattled around in my head and, and came out the other side at it as was that I want to experience this world and I want to share how I experience it with other people. And, and I don't know why. I mean, is there value in that to other people? You know, I'm not that self-absorbed. I'm not that arrogant to think that I see something that other people don't. But I kind of realized, because it felt right, I kind of realized it's not that you see something better than other people and you want to share it. It's that you see it through your eyes. You have a unique perspective. Everyone has a unique perspective. All of our creative talents, all of our creative drives, they're all valid because we all have a unique perspective. And that's the beauty of art. That's the beauty of photography. That's the beauty of painting. That's the beauty of music. Whatever your medium is, the beauty of it is, it gets your unique twist added to it. It's through your eyes. And I just knew deep down, this is what I want to do. I want to find a way to share the world through my eyes, what I see that's valuable, what I see that's beautiful and how I see it, why I see that it's beautiful, the details that I take note of. It was one of the things about Ansel Adams. He was a master of tonality. He was a master of tack sharp photography at a time when the trend in photography was soft focus, soft, you know, soft lenses, soft focuses to give everything kind of this glow. And he kind of went against that grain. He did it for a while and he was good at it, but he ultimately realized, no, the way, and this is a great quote from him. And this is going to be, um, this is going to kind of be Franken bit, but the quote was to, Okay, the the quote essentially said, this is a paraphrase, I want the picture, or the picture should look the way that it felt to me while I was there. So he was saying, what comes out the other side of that dark room, when I develop these photos, what should be there is not what other people and how they want to see what's out there, but how it felt to me while I was seeing it and experiencing it. And that's a really deep quote. Um, and to him, the way Yosemite felt was tack sharp. It is absolutely beautiful. And he used um, light and shadows just masterfully, master of tonalities. And he captured it as crystal clear as could be done in the medium and the technology of the day to do that. And it made him famous. He made iconic photography that people around the world still pay out the nose to get their hands on, that people around the world can look at and know. Maybe they don't know Ansel Adams, just the average layperson, but they know what that picture is, and it's his picture. Um, And so that was a great inspiration to me. And again, what I had to battle was, well, what's the point behind it? Like, I am probably not going to make money at this or a career out of this, especially at this point in my life, at this age. What's the point? And what I had to start to realize, what I started to realize, and I had to come to the realization of was, sometimes what you do in life to make a living, I think I mentioned this previously, but 
this is where I was really starting to deal with this. But what you do in life to make a living does not necessarily coexist with your purpose in life. Um, well, you know what? That's a bad way to put it because they can coexist, but they, they are not necessarily one and the same. They can be mutually exclusive of each other. And I don't know if this is just me or if this is a lot of people. Um, but it seems to me that we have this sense that what we do for a living has to be or should be essentially our purpose in life. And I mean, let's be completely honest. For the vast majority of us in the world, this is not what we're, this is not how it's going to be for us. Like, there's a whole lot of people in the world that, you know, there's got to be janitors. There has to be sanitation workers. There has to be um, people that do the less exciting jobs. That's probably not their purpose in life. They probably have a better purpose in life than that. Something far more important. Something that has a greater impact on society as a whole. Um, and so for me, I had to start to unlink those two concepts. I had to get out of my head that somehow my job has to be my purpose in life. Because for me, that's just not the reality at this moment. And chances are, for someone who's got an artistic point of view in the world, you're one of the very lucky ones if it does work out that way for you. And for whatever reason, that was a big deal to me. Like, for whatever reason, it was a big deal for me to be able to try and understand and figure that out. Um, that, yeah, you, there is value in going out and capturing. There is value in going out and doing photography. There is value in going out and making YouTube videos or whatever it is. There's value in it just because I love it. I'm drawn to it. It's what I want to do. My purpose some resides somewhere in telling these stories through whatever medium I find to tell them in. Um, and it come about a bit later that it started to make more sense to me. And we're going to hit that in another episode a little bit further down the line. There's kind of a nice little wrap up, put a little bow on it. Happened in a different section of California. And that's going to be its own episode we're going to talk about a little bit later. But for now, talking about Yosemite... It was absolutely the place where I started to realize the inspiration started to really settle into me. You're going to create something that has to do with all of these beautiful things that you see and how you see them and the lessons you take from them. Like that's what this entire first three episodes were was all me bringing forth some lessons that I learned that I needed to learn and my path forward that were brought on by an adventure, by exploring. And this one's really no different. There was a lesson I learned here that was incredibly value, valuable that I needed. And that was that there's value in doing the things you love, regardless of whether it ever makes you a dime or is um, your career. There's value in it. It feeds your soul, which is just as important as feeding yourself physically. On many levels. Because to be completely honest, either one can kill you. Obviously, not feeding yourself physically will kill you from starvation or malnourishment. Not feeding your soul will feel like dying a thousand deaths over and over and over again. Um, either one is not good for you. So there is completely and totally value in going out and doing the things you love and following your heart and your truth and your inspirations 
even if they don't appear to be the way that you're going to put food on the table in life. And that's ultimately what I had to do is choose to move forward. Like, I don't understand it because for me, I'm a very um, if-then kind of guy. If I do this, then this is going to happen. I work on logic. And for me, everything I do, I have a hard time doing anything that does not further my situation in life and make my situation better. It kind of takes on this pointless, um, this kind of air of pointlessness. What's the point in doing that? That's not going to make me money. It's not going to advance my career. It's not going to advance whatever. And that that is fallacious. That is an erroneous way to look at the world. But it's something that I've been caught up in. And I think in today's modern world, probably a lot of people are, is that idea. Um, and I had to learn this lesson and choose to move forward. Like, no, you know what? This is valuable just because you love to do it. You want to share. You feel drawn to share everything that you can and your view of this world and what you find beautiful in it out here in nature. This is what matters to you. The value in that is that it matters to you. It feeds your soul. And that is an important part of life for all of us, especially for people like us. There are a lot of people like us who it's that creativity. Why do we create? What drives creativity? The only real logical answer to that is sharing how we view the world. And that's what we're doing. Whether you're a painter or a photographer or a musician, all of those things are us sharing creatively. You create things to share them. And that's what it's all about. So in the end, I chose to move forward. And ultimately, we, we arrived here. And this is exactly where I wanted to be. Sharing stories, telling stories, hopefully telling and sharing your stories. And hopefully that'll start happening very soon. Again, we got to have those stories. Don't forget to send those things in, guys. Get on the old interwebs and get me an email sent to mywaywardstory at gmail.com. Tell me what the great outdoors means to you. Let's hear about your self-discovery. And let's share all these things and build our community. That's where all of this is geared towards, where it's all going. And that's what we're doing with this platform. Um, and I think, you know, we just did kind of a unintentional nat natural segue to wrapping this bad boy up tonight. Cause I don't know really what else to say. Um, in a nutshell, Yosemite is absolutely inspiring. And for me, it was a place that inspired me to start to progress forward with my projects, learning about Yosemite, learning about Ansel Adams and his life and going and seeing it for myself in person and how absolutely awe-inspiring. Um, what was the quote? Overwhelmed in the sudden presence of the unspeakable, stupendous grandeur. How all of those things really culminated for me in the inspiration and the realizations that I needed to move forward and continue to pursue my projects and pursue the drive in my heart, even though I couldn't find a lot of logic in it in that time. And I hope that you guys can take something out of that as well. Chase your dreams. You know, we got to keep working our day jobs, but that doesn't mean you can't chase your dreams and live out your purpose that you feel is your purpose in your spare time. And that's what I want to um, impress upon you and urge you to do. And I hope that you will. But like I said, let's go ahead and wrap this up for the week. Um, thanks for coming by. Once again, guys, if you want to support the show, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash wayward stories and you can support the show that way and help us keep the lights on. 
anything else, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, anything I have, blogs, um, picture galleries, all the things that we have going on, you can check out over at waywardstories.com. Um, what else have we got? We got anything else? Please rate and subscribe. Do not forget to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to this. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you're at, please rate, subscribe, and leave a review. That will help us more than anything because we just have to get this podcast into a lot of people's ears so that we can keep growing and hopefully someday grab some sponsorships somewhere so that I can continue to do this. Right now, it will be unsustainable eventually. Podcasting is not cheap. But anyway... Do whatever you can to help us out if you're liking what you're hearing. I'd love to hear from you guys. You can write us again at mywaywardstory at gmail.com or go check out anything that we have over at waywardstories.com. Um, thanks for listening, guys. I hope to see you back next week for season or episode five. Um, and until then, I hope you guys have a good weekend and be good to each other. Trail be rocky. The mountaintop awaits. Carry on.